I said it way back when Brandon Staley first lost his job. I don't care about anything else. I th- I think this is the best opening in the NFL in this hiring cycle. Welcome into the NFL on Fox podcast presented by Verizon. I'm Dave Hellman. And for the third time in as many weeks, we start the Thursday show with some big coaching news. This time it's the LA Chargers smoke billowing from the chimneys in Costa Mesa or El Segundo, wherever they are these days. The LA Chargers have found their head coach. It is Jim Harbaugh, the now former National championship winning head coach of the Michigan Wolverines, easily one of the biggest names in the 2024 coaching carousel, a big domino to fall, we'll call it. And we will get to that. We will get to so much. There's a lot of coaching news happening around the NFL these days. Oh, by the way, did you know it's conference championship week? We'll we'll get to that preview talk a little bit about some of those games. Peter Schrager joining us on the show, as always, to talk some of those coaching vacancies, some of the rumors going around the league. We're also joined by another guest, Zach Moss, running back for the Indianapolis Colts, stopped by to chat about his experiences playing the Baltimore Ravens, playing against the Kansas City Chiefs. Really fun conversation with a guy that's headed for free agency here in a couple months. It is a loaded show. Please make sure you keep up with us. I say it every show, and I'm proven to be correct. Every time we come on here, there's a new hiring, there's a a new rumor, there's something going on, there's somebody changing jobs. If you're not subscribed, please go find us on Spotify or on Apple Podcasts. Catch up on the YouTube channel, wherever you get your NFL news, whichever place you go to find your podcasts. It's something new every time we do this. I'm, I'm just happy we recorded the show after the news. We didn't have to redo anything because of this Harbaugh news coming down on a Wednesday evening. But that's where we need to start. Like I said, it's it's one of the biggest dominoes, depending on what happens with Bill Belichick, who as of right now remains unemployed. It could be the biggest domino in this hiring cycle. The Chargers have been flirting, I guess you'll call it, with Harbaugh for the last two and a half weeks. I honestly, I thought Harbaugh would have a job within two days of Michigan beating Washington to win the national championship. Your stock's never going to be hotter than that. He's one of just five coaches in history with a college national championship, as well as he coached in a Super Bowl. Short of getting the actual Lombardi trophy, he has experienced the pinnacle of success at every level of football you could ask. The thing I love, like, I'm not exaggerating, and that's why I'm so confident this is a slam dunk hire. Find the location where Jim Harbaugh hasn't taken his program to a new high. The guy won two Pioneer Leagues at the University of San Diego. I don't even know what the Pioneer League is. He turned Stanford into a college football powerhouse. Michigan, they just won their first national championship since the 90s. Easily the best Michigan football has been in decades upon decades. And oh, by the way, in the meantime, when he wasn't doing all that stuff in college, he only made three straight NFC championship games as the head coach of the San Francisco 49ers came within a whisker of beating his brother, John Harbaugh to win the Super Bowl back in 2012, which by the way, spoiler alert, if you haven't gone and looked, 
we won't know the dates for a few more months, but the Baltimore Ravens are in fact on the LA Chargers schedule for 2024. So get yourselves ready for another edition of the Harbowl. It's good to have both of the Harbaugh brothers back in the NFL. I said it way back when Brandon Staley first lost his job. I don't care about anything else. I th- I think this is the best opening in the NFL in this hiring cycle. I know their salary cap is a mess. They're projected something like $40 million over the cap. They got to do a lot of work. There's probably going to be some big veteran salaries getting cut or restructured or maybe even extended. They got to figure out what to do with a lot of big name players, whether it's Khalil Mack, Joey Bosa, Keenan Allen, Mike, Mike Williams, Derwin James. They got what? I'm looking at it right now. They got six guys counting $20 million or more on their cap. And this is a team that won five games last year. There's a lot of work to do here, but I think it's the most appealing opening in the NFL because they have Justin Herbert. And I know somehow at this point, maybe that has become a controversial statement. I know the team's success has not followed Justin Herbert to this point in his career. I don't care. Bare minimum. He's a top 10 quarterback in the NFL. That's being nice to his doubters. I think Justin Herbert is a top five, six quarterback in the NFL. The talent speaks for itself. The, the natural ability, the numbers. I mean, I get it. Wins and losses are important, but what that guy has accomplished to this point in his career is incredible. If you're building around him, I think you're going to be all right. You combine that with Jim Harbaugh's track record, I think the sky's the limit. I really, I, I feel certainty. You can never guarantee something as amazing as a Super Bowl title, but the Chargers are about to be relevant in a way that we just haven't seen really in their history, at least not on any kind of consistent basis. And I do think Harbaugh brings consistency. Yeah, he's a strange personality. He's probably going to get into some shouting matches with some other head coaches. There's going to be some weird sound bites. There's going to be a lot of pleated khaki pants. But in between that, he builds teams that win and sustain it. Forget the Michigan stuff. That's the, that's the cool thing about Jim Harbaugh. You don't have to project. The Niners, as, as brilliant as they are right now, the 49ers were on a hell of a run from 2011 to 2014 when he was the coach there, the only coach in NFL history to make the NFC title game or make a conference title game in his first three seasons on the job. Niners lost two of those and got to one Super Bowl. Really, the only reason I think Jim Harbaugh left the NFL was the widely reported power struggle that he was in with 49ers general manager Trent Baalke at the time, which I think is interesting. You typically don't see it happen this way. Jim Harbaugh hired before LA's general manager, the general manager job vacated by Tom Telesco, still open in LA. I think that tells you a lot about what Jim Harbaugh expects here. I don't think there's going to be a power struggle here. I think he's going to have his handprints all over personnel decisions, all over the roster. Sure, there will be input coming from other directions, but I think Jim Harbaugh is going to have the final say in LA. And it might not be pretty right away. I don't know if he gets to the AFC title game in year one the way he did a decade plus ago, but I do think the Chargers are about to be extremely relevant and in time, a pretty damn good football team. So that's exciting. That's fun. 
Can't wait to see where it goes. It's easily the headliner, but there's, I mean, there's news all over the NFL on the coaching front this week, starting, in my opinion, another, not a head coaching situation, but just a major decision happening in Green Bay after three years. And and after this week saying he wasn't ready to make a decision, Matt LaFleur made the call. Third-year defensive coordinator Joe Barry is out. Packers defense wildly disappointing in 2023. They finished 27th in defensive DVOA. The writing has felt like it's been on the wall for weeks, but to Joe Barry and his players' credit, the Packers did have a very admirable upturn in the playoffs, played very, very well in both of their playoff games. I think there was uncertainty in Wisconsin about whether that was going to save Joe Barry's job. Matt LaFleur ultimately made the call that it wouldn't, which I'm not here to celebrate anybody's firing. I mean, Joe Barry is, is a person. Green Bay's defense has had successes over the course of his career. But I do think, and I don't know if this is why Matt LaFleur made the decision, but I do think making this change, bringing in some new blood, because it would have been Barry's fourth season. So you've got guys that have only known that scheme, a lot of players on that defense. That's all they know to this point in their career. So shaking things up, getting a new voice in there, a new scheme, I think it does wonders for your players. Also, I think it probably maintains the goodwill you've got from the fan base. Who's more excited than Packer fans right now, other than the four teams that are still playing? Changing things up, letting fans know, hey, this year wasn't good enough. We're going to retool. We'll get a new defensive coordinator. I think it buys you some goodwill that, hey, yeah, we can we can get this thing better and be an even better team moving forward. So not totally surprising. I think it's a really great opening. We know how fun Green Bay's offense is, what LaFleur and Jordan Love have done there. Packers famously, they had eight first-round picks on this defense, even if it didn't always look that way. Seven of those guys are slated to be back for 2024. We'll see what happens with Darnell Savage. All the other guys are under contract. So this is a talented defense, even if the results don't show it. I think it'll be a very coveted opening for the coordinators and and the young coaches looking to make their way up. I think it'll be a very highly sought after opening. I'm excited to see what Matt LaFleur does to fill that job. No word on who that'll be just yet. It sounds like we do kind of know who's going to fill another big time opening. And that would be the Philadelphia Eagles because elsewhere in the league on Wednesday, out of nowhere, in my opinion, I didn't see it coming, but the Miami dolphins opted to part ways with legendary defensive coordinator, Vic Fangio. They're billing it as a mutual decision. Cool. Fangio obviously doesn't really need any kind of introduction, almost 40 years of NFL coaching experience. And He's the architect of the defense that has taken the league by storm here over the last eight years. Two high safeties, limiting big plays in the passing game. It is the defensive tree that that half the league has used to limit the impact of these high-octane passing attacks. So, I mean, like I said, I don't think Vic Fangio needs an introduction. But what is interesting, he's from eastern Pennsylvania. And he spent the 2022 season as an analyst for the Philadelphia Eagles. That's probably why the minute, really, before he was even fully out in Miami, he was already being billed as the favorite to be the Philadelphia Eagles defensive coordinator. 
We know the Eagles officially looking for coordinators on both sides of the ball. Nick Sirianni met with the media on Wednesday. He said the Eagles need fresh ideas. Obviously, it went really poorly with Brian Johnson, the OC, Sean Desai, the DC, and then went from bad to worse when Matt Patricia was moved into that job in the second half of the season. I think there's there's protocols to follow here. I don't, you know, I don't think Fangio is going to immediately be installed. I'm sure the Eagles will interview other people, but sounds like it's widely expected that Fangio will land in Philly, which maybe I mean, he, he longtime coaching legend. We know what he does and we know what he does well, but I can imagine all of the ideas that he has on that side of the ball as well as well as that resume, I think it would come uh, in handy, we'll say that, for, for Nick Sirianni as he seeks to right the ship next season. Plenty of other news. There's so much going on. Wow, actually, I'm just now realizing we didn't even mention the other head coaching move. The Tennessee Titans have also hired Brian Callahan to fill their vacancy. Fortunately, that one came early enough that I had an assist. So this is the part of the show where we talk to Peter Schrager. You know it as the cheat sheet presented by Honda. Had a chance to catch up with Peter about the Brian Callahan job, as well as other coaching speculation around the league. What might happen to Bill Belichick? What's going on with Mike Vrabel? As well as everything else on the coaching front. And we might have inadvertently played a game of name that guy as well. Check it out. All right, Peter, there's obviously there's coaching news to get to. I want to talk to you about the Titans hiring Brian Callahan. I want to talk to you about Tom Telesco potentially landing in Vegas. There's there's news to get to, but this is my true passion because like as we're sitting here waiting to record, I saw a tweet from you mm-hmm. about uh, you know, something Lamar Jackson said at his media availability this week heading into the AFC title game that Patrick Mahomes is right now a Hall of Famer. And like this, it's not quite as fun as Remember Some Guys, which is the, I mean, just the best game of all also time. Also great. But I mean, this is the type of stuff I live for is just debating this type of minutia. And I, it's been like a pet cause for me since he won the Super Bowl last year that like right now today, without playing another down of football, let alone potentially winning another Super Bowl this year, you can't rank Patrick Mahomes any lower than like the fourth or fifth best quarterback to ever play the game. And you could argue that he belongs higher on that list. And yeah, I agree with Lamar Jackson. He could walk away before this game and be a first ballot Hall of Famer. Done. It's not, And, and I'm getting crushed on Twitter being like, who would even disagree with that? I just said... You know, I'm with Lamar. If he never takes a snap again, he's a Hall of Famer. And you think about the multiple 5,000 yard seasons, you think about two Super Bowls, think about two MVPs. Like, yeah, it's done. He's got a better resume than just about every quarterback not named Brady Manning and, and, and of course, Montana. So I'm with you on that. If you want to go through it and be like, well, Otto Graham is on the list and you can go even, you know, down the different roads with Marino and the yardage totals and all that stuff, it's fine. But talking about, uh, you know, not even in his, if this was his whole career, what he's done already, Mahomes Hall of Famer. I also think it, it, you know, it leads to this question of okay, if Mahomes is a Hall of Famer and Mahomes is first ballot, who else from this generation gets in? And that that leads to it because like, is Josh Allen knocking on the door? Well, he hasn't had the playoff wins. Is Lamar Jackson two MVPs is pretty good, man. Like, but he hasn't had the playoff wins. So I think it's a uh, Stafford Hall of Fame. 
Possibly, right? Like Rivers, Matt Ryan. There's only so many that can get in. So I, I think it's a really fun debate. But you mentioned, let's talk about some guys. Let's do a little exercise in that. Why don't we play a little ping pong? Let's talk about, let, name any it. position. Let's do it. Name a position. Let's do it for like 30 seconds. Just remembering some guys? Yep. Just yeah, give me a position. Let's go. Linebacker. Okay. Dat Gwynn. Dat, Dat Nguyen, Texas A&M Aggie, former <laughs> Dallas Cowboy great. Friendliest, friendliest dude, you know. Um, all right. Where do, where do I, uh, the late great Sam Mills jumps to my yes. mind. I guess he's, he's too good to be Hall like, a famer, remember. Dude. Yeah. yeah, he's too good to be a remember some guys guy, Keep but bounded. I do feel like he, he gets forgotten about though. Especially totally. like, you know, growing up a saints fan, a guy that I always think fondly of. Can you, you go, you can it? you go, can you go across the board on those saints linebackers from the early nineties? Uh, Ricky Jackson, Sam Mills, Pat Swilling. There's a fourth I always forget about because I was young. Yeah, I think those are the three. Was there a guy Vaughn something like that was great named Vaughn on the Saints? We got to Google that. Like 1990s Saints defense, Vaughn something. I think it might have been another guy. What's funny? Okay, I'm changing the topic completely, but that just reminded me. This is something that I've actually been thinking about with um with like Green Bay and um. And Houston, you know, making these fun runs to the divisional round of the playoffs is and and obviously like the the goal is definitely to be the Kansas City Chiefs. Everybody wants those problems. Everybody wants you want to be the Aaron Rodgers Green Bay Packers where it's Super Bowl or bust. But some of my favorite memories as a fan, like growing up a Saints fan when they were trash for a decade and then they were finally good. You want to talk about remember some guys. How about Azair Hakim dropping a punt return in the wild card playoffs? Like those unexpected moments where you're like, yeah, maybe we're not that great, but like we're in this thing. Like there's there is such a joy in being that type of team. And the goal is to win Super Bowls and be great, but I've been thinking about that a lot with some of these upstart teams in the playoffs recently. Yeah, I the the name was Vaughn Johnson. I was right. They had five <laughs> different they had five different Pro Bowlers on defense that year. They had Pat Swilling, Sam Mills, Ricky Jackson, Vaughn Johnson, and then they had a special teamer Benny Thompson, who I think would eventually go on to play elsewhere and was like always like the special teams guy, like him and Steve Tasker of that generation. So Benny Thompson, for you fans out there, I remember Benny Thompson when he was on the Chiefs. So I don't remember him on the Saints, but he was a Chief. He was a Raven. Benny Thompson talk uh, in 2024. That's what everyone's listening for. Who's your favorite? Remember some guy at running back. Sam Con Gado. Um, Sam Con Gado was a medical school student out of like Liberty who got a cup of coffee with the Houston Texans and the Green Bay Packers. I love his name, Sam Con Gado, and he like was on my fantasy team multiple years and was a great player. Who's yours? I any anytime running back specifically comes up, I go up to your neck of the woods. Orleans Darkwa. Darkwa. I mean, that's recent, dude. I love that. I, Orleans, I, I just great name. All-time name and just the the peak guy where you look up and you're like, holy shit, Orleans Dark was got like 70 all-purpose yards in this game. What's going on? Is there in, in a content world wherever is there a podcast or a game show or an NFL network show or an FS1 show where it's just called Name That Guy and we just just name names? I I there's gotta be a way 
to make good content out of this because like that's i mean every day you open twitter and that's what people are talking about is just like man remember when you were 13 and this guy was was the man for like a season and a half we had we had dante hall on our show on good morning football and i'm like human joystick like and i'm talking to him and the whole time i'm just thinking like i cannot believe this is dante hall in the flesh we've had joe montana and dan marino on the show i don't care i'm like this is dante hall this is the one so i think it really hits when you're like that guy was really special at that moment in time for me in that place you know we've talked about uh jeopardy since you were an yeah. appearance on celebrity jeopardy what about a jeopardy format where the host is like this receiver from monmouth mm-hmm. university blew Miles up austin exactly like who is miles austin like i would watch that show <laughs> I, I would too. absolutely watch that show i would too this florida state receiver got into some trouble at a dillard's in the late 90s and then went on to have a nice nfl career who is peter work come on let's go the best the best that never was like i just i i would absolutely there's got to be all right i'm giving free content away i should probably keep this off of the air but like a jeopardy style name that journeyman show i think would would be a hit or at very least sickos like us would would click on the link yeah peter work and not to undersell him lavernius cole's also involved in the dillard's incident so yes these are this is we go deep um right, free shoes talk. university yes let's talk football what do you got yeah all right okay yeah now that hopefully you're still with us after this eight minute <laughs> uh divergence but okay so this is the slowest happening news cycle I can ever remember in terms of hiring. And I know that's because a lot of the big name candidates are still coaching, but it is, it is surprising to me how slowly this is moving, but we finally get a hire and it's, it's Bengals offensive coordinator, Brian Callahan going to the Tennessee Titans. I was curious to talk to you specifically about it because I know that you talked to him last year and very, very presciently you pointed out that he was probably going to get a shot here in the next year or two. And lo and behold, it's the Tennessee Titans. What do you make of the hire? What do you make of Brian Callahan? It's an interesting hire. Cause he doesn't, he didn't call the plays for the Bengals. So he was the offensive coordinator, but Zach Taylor called the plays. So you're coming in now as a head coach because of your offensive prowess, but you weren't the one actually with the play call sheet in your hand. So that'll be interesting to watch. I think that uh, from what I gather, the interview process in Tennessee for the few coaches I spoke to that had a had an opportunity to interview, a lot of it was on what do you plan to do with the offense of Will Levis? So it seems like they're all in on Will Levis and you're talking about a coach. And if you're a Tennessee fan, like who is this guy? Well, the coach, the quarterbacks that he's worked with is Peyton Manning, who has gone above and beyond to sing his praises in the last several years. Uh, Derek Carr's best years as a Raider were with Brian Callahan as his uh, quarterbacks coach, Matthew Stafford in Detroit, and of course, Joe Burrow in Cincinnati. So you're talking about some of the best arms of the generation, all having their best years, more or less. Stafford, you can argue the Rams years have been really good with McVay. But this is what you're getting. You're getting a guy who's a quarterback whisper, young. He's in his 30s. His father, Bill Callahan, legendary coach, offensive line coach of the the Browns as we speak. Um, Just football through and through, but also a great communicator, soft-spoken, not a screamer, not a yeller, but all these quarterbacks swear by him. And when you have, you know, first-person, you know, anecdotes from everyone from Peyton Manning to Matthew Stafford to Derek Carr, and then you're looking at your 22-year-old piece of the franchise, Will Levis, who showed some real flashes this year, uh, it seemed like it made a lot of sense. Curious, the staff he brings with him, 
um, because he hasn't been a head coach. He hasn't been a play caller. Who's going to leave their current posts to come with Brian Callahan and, you know, coach a Tennessee team that might be in a transition. You know, what really jumped out to me from, and you know, I was on my way home from the gym this morning. I was like, Oh, well, Peter talked to Callahan last year. Like there's, there's going to be something informative here, as, obviously. And what really jumped out to me, and it's true, he coached all of those great quarterbacks, but what I thought was even more interesting is that Brian Callahan was on the Broncos staff Tebow. that got to the playoffs with Tim Tebow. And I swear to God, I'm not even trying to be a smartass. Yeah. And, and look, I love Tim Tebow. He's one of the greatest college players of all time. Awesome. But... I think it says something impressive that Brian Callahan and those guys were able to build a successful enough scheme around Tebow and what he did well to get the Broncos to the playoffs. And look, I mean, dude's built like an H back. He's got that funky ass release that takes like six seconds to get the ball out. And yeah, it was weird, but they got to the playoffs and won a playoff game with that. So and when they built the nice. offense on the fly. Remember, he came in, I think, like week seven or week eight against the Dolphins, and they were like, all right, let's throw out the def- the offense we had, which I think was Kyle Orton, I believe. Let's get rid of that offense, and let's draw one up on the fly midseason for Tim, which is what they did, and Callahan played a big role in it. That's the number one thing that I look for when a coach gets hired is like, do you have a system or a scheme that you now have to acquire the right guys for, or are you going to tailor things to who's there? So if you can build a functional offense around Tebow, I have to believe you're going to find out what works for Will Levis. And that makes me feel really good about where he might be heading as this young quarterback who obviously needs, needs to develop. It's a good hire. I think everyone's a little surprised. That was the first hire out of the gates, but they knew what they wanted. They identified it. Okay, speaking of which, do you find it weird at all? Like I said, I, I get it. If if you're holding out hope for Ben Johnson or Mike McDonald, uh, I understand why you might not be in a rush to make these hires. Do you find it weird at all that there's a holdup? Yes, here? yes. And I talked to <laughs> I talked to someone who I really trust in the league today who called me and is like, Belichick coached for 24 years, won all these rings and like, I'm very surprised that teams aren't like at least interviewing him. I'm like, so am I. But in the Belichick situation, in the Harbaugh situation, I'm going to throw Vrabel in this one. These guys come with a cult of personality. And I don't know if it's it's preservation of people in their own jobs or if it's they just 2024. We're not looking for one person's voice to be the demanding voice of the entire building. But it's like, it seems like this is a revolt around that. And Teams would much rather have a more collaborative and less one-man dominant, you know, building than what these guys are, at least what the perception is. Now, Vrabel shocks me. So Vrabel gets fired. Everyone says that's another one. Yeah. He'll have a job in no time. Uh, I think Vrabel interviewed for the Chargers job, maybe the Atlanta job. I'd have to go through it. Like, but how is Mike Vrabel not getting interviews across the board right now? I don't. I assume you can't answer this question, but the only thing I can think of with Belichick is just with that resume and those skins on the wall, he's not going to sign on to answer to a GM who's probably 25 years younger than him. That's the only that's the only thing I can come up with. And I don't blame Belichick if he feels that way, but I also don't blame a team if they're like, hey, man. Your track record here over the last five years does not suggest you need unilateral control. And we're sorry. Yeah. 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 So I, I'm 
I'm at, just, the, I'm at the I point don't know where if, I wonder if he takes the year off. At 81 years old, Arthur Blank, if he at least is considering the Belichick thing, is he more concerned about like Terry Fontenot and Rich McKay's place? Like, does Belichick not have the clout to be like, I'll come, just gotta get rid of those guys so I can bring my guys in. And if that's the rub and he's like, I'd rather have McKay and Fontenot, well, then that's that could be the conversation also. I'll stand up for Belichick any day. Like, I think the the narrative about how he's useless without Brady has gotten out of control, in my opinion. But all I got to do is go to pro football reference and pull up the Patriots recent draft history. And I'm like, ah, maybe we need some guardrails here. Maybe we maybe we need something else to work with. I am. I I agree with you about Vrabel, though. Like, I seems odd. I I mean, coach of the year, well-respected guy. Players love him. Like, I, I don't know. Seems odd. I would run to hire Mike Vrabel and like a just for the way his team plays when they're an underdog B for the way he makes something out of not a whole lot on defense. And like, yeah, maybe he's got a more old school caveman mentality about offense, but the Titans rescued Ryan Tannehill's career like that wasn't wasn't a mirage. I feel like people forgot that happened, but the Titans were an AFC number one seed with Arthur Smith calling play action to Ryan Tannehill 40 times a game. Yeah. Yeah. I'm surprised. I don't know. And maybe, maybe we'll be looking at Vrabel on TV and a media job next year. Cause I think he actually speaks well about the game too. He's a very good communicator. So I don't know. It, there's a lot less jobs as a head coach open than I think we anticipated. Like Dennis Allen kept his job. Todd Bowles kept his job. Antonio Pierce kept his job. Matt Eberflus kept his job. And the only real wild card one I think I think everyone was shocked by was in Seattle when Pete Pete yeah. uh, was was either shown the way out or left mutually. But um, yeah, Mike McCarthy's back. Like a lot of these teams, everyone's like, "Well, surely those teams are going to move on." There's going to be ten or eleven openings. Like there's not. I guess speaking of which, I don't think I've talked to you since. Uh, Dallas and Philly both kind of doubled down on their head coaches. Mm-hmm. I don't consider either one surprising. Does anything stand out to you about either one of those situations? The Dallas one was surprising because it took a little bit of time before Jerry kind of gave it out that he's sticking by Mike. I thought they would have done that Monday morning or Tuesday morning, but they waited till Thursday, I believe, which was a little bit of time, which let there be more doubt and some twisting in the wind. Um, Philly's interesting. He gave up play calling duties. Remember, you give up play calling duties to Shane Steichen and then you let Brian Johnson do it. Like he's an offensive coach. So you, this is a crucial hire who they hire as offensive coordinator um, in Philly this time around. It's it's not that he's a he's got it's on his last life or anything, but Sirianni, when you give up play calling as an offensive coach, that's you're giving up a lot of your power and you're giving up a lot of your voice in the building. So I'm curious to see who they bring in. If if those hires aren't home runs i see that being a dicey situation in philly next year uh all right one last thing i want to finish up on and that is yeah there is a pretty a pretty big development in vegas i would say obviously antonio pierce gets the interim tag taken off but also the las vegas raiders hire a former divisional rivals gm in tom telesco just immediately uh getting a career reboot after things kind of fell apart in la what what do you make of that? Because I'll be honest, I was pretty surprised. Yeah, they interviewed a few guys. Uh, you know, you, you saw that I believe it was 
down to him and Champ Kelly and maybe one other candidate um, as the second rounds of interviews went. And Champ Kelly was the guy who filled in last year when Dave Ziegler was thrown, shown the door. Telesco's a really respected GM. You look at those Chargers rosters every year, they're loaded. Uh, you could pick apart his work and the fact that those teams don't make the playoffs, but um, around the league, like I've known Tom since he was with the Indianapolis Colts, like very respected personnel man, like very respected salary guy as far as what he can do with the numbers. So, you know, it was very rare. You get a guy who's fired as a GM hired the next year. I I'm trying to think of another one. I don't know. And it's really rare if it's in the division, but I guess they wanted stability and they wanted someone who can come in and do the job when you have such a neophyte head coach as Antonio Pierce, who obviously is being thrown into the mix and is going to get that opportunity. But now you pair him with a real veteran general manager. I do. I see the logic of having, you know, Telesco called the shots with the Chargers for 10 years. I see the logic of having a guy who's seen every possible scenario pairing with a first time full time head coach. I just think the the visual of the Raiders ending the Telesco Staley regime in front of the world uh, and then hiring him to run the sh their shop. It's, it's a very strange visual for me, but I'll, I'll be interested to see how it goes. Yeah. We will keep it going with our track record. I'm going to guess two of these things happen after you and I minutes. get off. I yeah. With within a couple hours, we'll have some movement and I'll catch up with you about it next week. Uh, all right. I'm, I said that was the last thing I lied. What, what's your, What's your favorite thing you're looking forward to with the conference championships games this week? I, I love the idea of Mike McDonald, this like super brilliant young defensive coordinator going up against Andy Reid, who's like the best offensive mind of his generation. So you got the young upstart who is just silencing all these other young upstarts. And then here comes like the the old you know, gunslinger with a ton of swagger, Andy Reid into his building. I like the X's and O's matchup of this one. I, it's, I'm curious to see, and I'm, you know, I, I'm not a former player. I'm not a former coach, but I love the way Baltimore plays defense and how they use those guys. I'm curious to see what the plan is to stop Mahomes and the Chiefs. I'm just convinced that everybody on their defense could play everywhere if they so needed good. them to. It's, so it's, it's wild how versatile they are. Yeah, that's a good one. Can't wait for it. Talk to you next week, Peter. We'll know the Super Bowl matchup. I'm looking forward to it, man. Appreciate you. Can't wait. Thanks, Dave. Feels like it's been a very coaching news heavy episode of the show. So this is a perfect time to put this here. Had a really fun opportunity to chat with Indianapolis Colts running back Zach Moss, who stopped by the show. Talked some ball. Moss played the Baltimore Ravens this season had a phenomenal day against Baltimore, which is not something a lot of people can say. Also, as a former member of the Buffalo Bills, had a chance to talk to him about the Bills-Chiefs rivalry and that banger of a game we saw on Sunday afternoon. And just talked about his career, what's happening next. He's slated for free agency. It's always an interesting time in a guy's career when he's set to hit the open market. Really cool conversation with Zach. Really appreciate him stopping by the show. Give it a listen. All right, Zach, this feels very topical. So let's start here. The Baltimore Ravens, they're playing in the AFC title game this weekend. Monster of a defense. They shut down everybody they play, except for your Indianapolis Colts and you. Not only did y'all get the win against Baltimore early in the season, but you went off on these guys. 140 all-purpose and a touchdown. What was the key to your success against this defense that has shut down so many opponents? Uh, yeah. Um, you know, it's been a little while since we, uh, obviously we played that game, but, um, 
you know, that's a great defense, first of all. So it was fun going up against that that defense. And they gave us a lot of troubles, no matter, you know, the numbers and things like that. They gave us a lot of trouble. Um, but, you know, we just caught them on the right day. And our defense at the same time played very, very well um, against that uh, offense they have with Lamar and everything like that. So, you know, we put ourselves in a good position um, to capitalize and we was able to do that. I do. I mean, you're right. I get it. You're not sitting here analyzing week three results. So I, I get it if it if your memory is a little fuzzy, but I would love from what you can remember about the game plan, about preparing for this team, your analysis of of what this defense does that that makes life so tough. I mean, they they're clearly very physical. It seems like they're very multiple and hybrid, you know, they got a lot of guys that can do a lot of different things. What, what makes them a tough team to prep for? Yeah. Um, I mean, for us, we knew we were going to have to come out there and be physical. I, I remember it like kind of being a little wet, rainy, uh, you know, cloudy sky. So it was a little ugly day. So we knew what type of game it was going to be going into it. Um, but, you know, I think when you look back at that team at that time and point, they weren't the same defense and they had some injuries and things like that as well. Um, but, you know, I'm kind of happy we caught them when we caught them early in week three before they kind of started to take uh, take form of who they really are um, and things like that. And, you know, watching them now and just over the year and just what they were able to do, especially just this past uh, week in versus Houston, um, you know, they didn't even make it to the red zone. So, you know, that type of defense, man, that says a lot. Um, and, you know, obviously I'm sure wherever I'm at next year, I'll probably play them next year. So it'll be a, another fun battle. I do. I want to get to your upcoming free agency in a minute, but real quick before I'm done with this, I just, I can't help but feel, and, and it applies to the Chiefs. It applies to anybody that gets this deep into the playoffs, probably. I, I'm fascinated, but particularly with the Ravens, the amount of guys that they have that they can send after a quarterback, you as a running back, people forget about pass pro. Is this, is this a team that you've got to be on your P's and Q's and you know, with guys like Roquan Smith and Patrick queen coming after the quarterback, what is the, what is the challenge of a running back to be ready in the pass protection element of a matchup like this? You got to know where everything is coming from. You got to know the, the body types, who they like to bliss, who blisses more, um, more often, you know, sometimes there's if guys are in a double mug, um, you know, sometimes just small tails can really give away a lot of things like who has the inside foot, who has their, you know, the other foot back and all that type of stuff. And then, you know, obviously off the edges, you got Kyle Hamilton who's having a great year. Um, and, you know, he's a huge, I think, six four, six five at the safety position. So him coming off the edge is a lot as well. And they put some so many different fronts five down, four down, they can get to it. Uh, you know, we call it like a like a spinner, one the DN standing up and you never you don't really know where he's gonna hit it from. Um, you know, so that is a big part from understanding what the offensive line is seeing. Then obviously my communication with them to and from the quarterback um to kind of understand where I could be getting some pressure from. And they bring corner corner blitzes as well. So they it's not nothing they really don't do. Um, they do it all and they do it at a very high level. I just love, I love the, the little stuff like that. You know, I, I know a running back wasn't involved in the play, but 
you see the the pressure that Chris Jones gets on Josh Allen on Sunday afternoon on that throw to the end zone. Like little stuff like that is going to decide high level playoff games. So I love getting that that sort of expertise about it. Which yeah. speaking of, I'm really sorry if I'm about to open an old wound, but you obviously were with the Bills. You started your career there before the trade to Indy. You were on that team. You know you know what it's like to lose a heartbreaker to the Kansas city chiefs. Like, I mean, like, like I said, I'm sorry, but, but what, do, what do you think that feeling is in Buffalo knowing that we played a hell of a game and against the Kansas city chiefs, it, it didn't wind up mattering. Yeah. Um, and I watched that game, the whole game <laughs> from start to finish. That was like on my to-do list. Um, but you know, obviously like you said, the 13 second game um, versus KC, that was tough, um, you know, just because the offense, the offense we played so well um, and put ourselves in a position to go ahead and host the AFC Championship game uh, in Buffalo, which hadn't been done in, like, since in the 90s or something like that. Um, so that would, that would have been a huge moment. But for, you know, that current team right now that the Bills have, for them to be able to get KC – out of Kansas City, right? That's kind of what we always felt like. If you can get them out of there, um, you know, you'll put yourselves in a way better situation. And for them to be so close again um, and losing to Pat, and I mean, like I always, I, if you if you lose anyone, right, kind of, it's okay in a sense, right? <laughs> if it's to Patrick Mahomes, we're talking about one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time already. Um, but, you know, it, it definitely stings because I know those guys work so hard um, to be in that situation and to come up short three times now versus the same dude is like, man, it's like a bully just that won't stop punching you. Um, even though you've gotten the weight room, you got a little stronger and things like that. It's just like the dude just finds a way to keep beating you. So, I mean, they'll come back stronger next year, um, you know, and they'll be ready again and things like that. And, you know, hopefully it's in their, in their favor. I, I've never met an NFL player that wasn't just crazy confident in their own abilities. Like, so I like that part. I don't question, but yeah. every, everything you just said though, about Pat and about this chiefs team, like, does there, does there get to a point? Does, does that, do you run the risk of letting the chiefs get into your head as an opponent? When you see this just run of success that they've had, where even when it looks like you might have them on paper, they wind up finding a way to win. Yeah, I don't know if it gets into your head. I don't know if if they're run their you know the dynasty that they're building and all that type of stuff is there yet. You know, I think you know if you ask someone who played Tom Brady and the Patriots over those 20, that uh, eighteen year span or whatever it was, I'm pretty sure that at some point that got into their head. So I, I wouldn't you know say that too too fast yet on the Chiefs um, because they haven't done it for over a decade. Um, but you know. You, I think most mostly it's probably like the, the respect level of you have so much respect for the franchise, the players, the coaches, um, and then obviously you know I said the players, but just Patrick in, in itself um, and what he's been able to accomplish. And you know, if you're sitting back and you're not playing against them and you're watching them, you're just like you're almost in awe in the sense uh, of what he's able to do. Um, but yeah, I wouldn't say you know they're in their head yet. Um, and things like that, especially now, you know, when you're playing, you know, get ready for that week. You're not really worried about all that. 
um, because you understand that any man can be beat on uh, any given Sunday. But, you know, it is a tough task um, to beat that dude. And, I mean, he played almost a perfect, perfect game um, in a very, very hostile environment um, out there at Buffalo. I, I can't get over it. Yeah, I mean, jo- Josh played out of his mind as well. Yeah. And that's, I mean... It is what it is. All right, let's let's focus on you a little bit. And you you mentioned it earlier. We don't know what the future holds for you just yet. Before we get to that, what can you tell me about this 2023 Colts team, a team that I don't think a lot of people were talking about before the season started? And then, I mean, you lose your quarterback, just yeah. a ton of adversity to go through. I mean, what, what did you learn about, about this team this year, the job that y'all did, what Shane Steichen showed as a head coach, just all of it. Yeah. Um, you know, obviously going into this season, you know, nobody really knew what we were going to be, to be honest with you, man, I didn't know what we were going to be, you know, as a whole either. Right. I only have been there for X amount of months and things like that going into the new year. Um, so it, it was hard to really understand, you know, especially, you know, you're picking in the draft, you're getting a rookie quarterback, you get a new head coach, rookie coach, getting a new offensive staff. Um, you know, from that standpoint, you don't know what the offense is going to look like and things like that and how pieces fit and things like that. But like you said, like obviously when AR got hurt and Gardner stepping up, um, you know, with JT not playing early in the year, um, you know, we had a lot of injuries, a lot of players out, a lot of just a lot of things going on, a lot of adversity that season. But, you know, that team um, just just tough, just real, real tough. Like a lot of just tough guys, a lot of guys who, you know, been through adversity in their lives. And, you know, the things that we went through this season, you know, I think the things that, you know, guys experienced through, the, you know, through their lives before, you know, it made it, you know, I wouldn't say – easy, but it made it worth it um, to just be able to battle, be able to fight, uh, be one, uh, you know, a couple of plays, you know, that one play, but be a couple of plays realistically, uh, you know, out of the playoff race uh, when nobody really gave us a shot and things like that. So it was, it was, it was fun. It was a fun year, man, no matter like how it ended and, you know, obviously not making the playoffs, but it gave, you know, a lot of life, to that franchise, to, to those guys, to the coaching staff, a lot of belief there. Um, and, you know, even though, you know, the record may say nine, eight, we definitely had a lot more wins, um, you know, than the record might show. Look, I, I got receipts. Okay. It's, it, I'm not just saying this because you hopped on the show, which I do appreciate, but I've been saying since midway through the season, at least like considering what y'all lost, considering the expectation coming into the year, I think, I think it y'all were one of the most impressive teams in the league, all things considered. I mean, I know the, I know the playoffs are the goal and that didn't quite happen yeah. for you, but I just, I don't, I haven't met anybody outside of y'all's <laughs> locker room that saw that coming. That's all I'm saying. No, that's, that's, that's true, man. I don't, I don't know many people either that saw that coming. Right. I think a lot of people, it's a, it's a, it's a graphic out there. I think, we were predicted to win maybe three games or four games. So right at or right below what we won totally all last year. Um, and for Coach Shane to come in with his new staff and everything like that and, you know, the players buy in, you know, I think that just speaks volumes to who he is as a coach and the players that's in there and the will to win. Those guys have a strong will to win. They don't just want to show up and, you know, 
get a paycheck, but they want to earn it and they want to earn it every single day. And, you know, I think that was the most fun thing to be around every single, every day uh, and go to war with those guys. Okay. This is, this is something I've always been curious about. You know, the the season's going, you're going, you're going, you're going, you got a game to get into the playoffs and then it's over, you know, and, and you know, you, you got an exit interview, maybe, you know, you're around the facility for a couple of days and then the season's done. Uh, and you as a free agent, it, I always think it puts y'all in an interesting situation where, you know, maybe, like I said, maybe you have a couple conversations around the building and then it's just off to wait and see what happens. What are those conversations like when the season's over and like, and how good of an idea do you have right now of what the Colts think about the job that you've done and, and, you know, how they feel about potentially bringing you back and sort of all that kind of stuff you're waiting to learn here in the next couple months. Yeah, it's it's literally a waiting game, right? Like, you have no idea what's kind of happening. Right now, obviously, nothing's really happening right now. Um, you know, but, you know, obviously, you know, you said the ex-interviews and all that type of stuff, but, you know, obviously, you know, I had conversations before I left Indy, um, you know, with management and all that type of stuff, and everything went well. You know, I've had great conversations with men, you know, throughout the year, last year, all that type of stuff. And, you know, I'm definitely walked away with the feeling of being appreciated because, you know, I definitely appreciate my time being in Indy um, and, you know, what it did for me and just the people I was around every single time, um, every single day and stuff like that. So it was, it was nothing but uh, pure fun and kind of joy to go to work every single day and, and go out there and fight. Um, you know, with, with those guys, but, uh, you know, you really don't know much until probably next month when you can really start getting the, uh, feeling of what, where, where you could be at. Um, but man, I'm, all I know is I'm just blessed to be in this situation right now. Just, you know, being healthy, uh, just being able to relax, sit back and just enjoy the time with my family and stuff like that. And, you know, that's, I think that's the best thing about, you know, this whole um, situation. That is really good perspective. And yeah, I mean, I, I have a feeling it's, it's going to work out no matter what, but I am curious one last one for you. So you, you've now done two big NFL things, you know, you were traded a couple years ago, yeah. midway through your rookie <laughs> contract, and now you're waiting to find out where your next contract is. So what's more surreal? Like, sitting here waiting like man i could be in any of the 32 cities next year or waking up on a tuesday morning on what you thought was your day off and brandon bean is like <laughs> uh hey you gotta get to indy yeah definitely the i would say you know that's a great question um because i have done both in a very short time now um but i think the more surreal thing is being a free agent right now because a lot of guys in this league don't make it to this this stage in their careers. Um, so it's nothing I take for granted. I know the, the work that I've put in and things of that nature. So I'm just, you know, like I said, I'm blessed and happy. I'm able to, you know, was able to go out there and kind of show that over and over and things of that nature. So, you know, being in this moment is it's surreal. It hasn't really hit me, um, you know, with being able to go out there and kind of earn a second contract and all that type of stuff. But, yeah, the, the rookie thing was uh, the uh, the trade thing was more so more shocking, <laughs> not in the in the sense of, you know, 
you know, that I was getting traded, but more in the sense of that, you know, you always hear of guys getting traded and all this type of stuff and kind of what goes into it because you don't never know what goes into it. It's literally, all right, Tuesday, you're playing 2K, um, and then you get traded right before the deadline, and then you have to be in Indy Wednesday, right? And you literally just drop everything and you just go, right? So, like, you know, thankfully I had my wife to kind of help pick up a lot of things, uh, you know, the movement and stuff like that. But I'm always thinking, like, what if you don't have, like, a significant other um, to kind of help you pick up those pieces? Like, right. you're all in a different city and playing football, you have to move right on to that. And it, but your whole other life is still in a whole different city. So that was more of the shock of like, wow, this is this is a lot of stuff that's going on. I feel like I mean, people have a, a a tendency, like you can vividly remember things like that when they happen. Like, were you actually playing 2K? No, I was literally <laughs> I was literally playing 2K. Um, and I had just been at Tuesday, like you said, it's our off days. And I was up at the facility earlier that morning. And uh, I remember having this conversation with the head coach about not being traded, right? Because I had been asking uh, for to look for some trade partners already because the thing is, just wasn't working out there. So that's why I said I wasn't shocked that I got traded. I was just more shocked of things that go into it and everything like that. Yeah. But yeah, I was at home playing 2K. I get the call uh, to come back up to the facility. And still at that moment, I didn't think I was being traded. I just thought we were going to talk about, you know, what my role was going to look like um, at the back end of the season. Um, just because things hadn't really moved in, in the front half. But to my surprise, it was, uh, you know, a trade and things like that. And, you know, looking back at it now, it was the best thing that could have happened to me. Yeah, I can imagine. I mean, a, a wildly successful season in Indianapolis. I mean, career highs across the board. I like I said, I mean, look, I don't I don't know where it goes, but I'm pretty confident it's gonna go somewhere good for you, man. I, I hope you enjoy the family time, everything leading up to it. And and I think this will be a little less surprising uh when you get that <laughs> phone call in March. But Zach, man, I can't tell you how much I appreciate the time, dude. Uh best of luck and and hopefully I'll talk to you soon. Absolutely, man. Appreciate you having me on. Of course. That does it for the show. Thanks again to Peter Schrager and to Zach Moss for coming by. Enjoyed talking with them. Enjoyed catching you up on the latest in this very long, very crazy coaching cycle. We will be back tomorrow. It's going to be much more football-focused show. Obviously, we've got conference championship games to preview. We're going to talk 49ers-Lions with Greg Olson, who will be in Santa Clara for that one. Also going to break down Baltimore, Kansas City with our guy Greg Allman. We'll have you covered all sides of both matchups. Big, big weekend on deck. Make sure you stop by for all of that. Like I said, you know how to find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube. Grab your friend's phone. Download it for them if they don't listen. Whatever you got to do. Every little bit helps. We appreciate it so much. We will be back Friday. Conference Championship weekend on deck. Thank you all so much. I'll talk to you soon.